In the words of the iconic Billie Holiday, everything happens for the best. And this is the Fat Man Chronicles. Seven. I'm Pete, and with me is my co-host Dave, and we are two middle-aged dads on a journey to conquer the Chicago Marathon in a mere 30 weeks. <laughs> How you Oy. doing, brother? Pete, I'm so good I should be twins. Oh, man. I tell you, I feel like right now I've got enough uh, body mass to be twins. Well, that too. I feel a little, <laughs> feeling a little hefty this morning. Yeah. <laughs> I did a lot of driving this weekend, and nothing lets you know you weigh 300 pounds more than sitting in a Subaru for five hours at a shot. Yeah, why don't you give us uh, a little weekend recap before we get to us, because you had some fun and exciting times. I did. I had a great weekend. Uh, it had its ups and downs. I was in uh, Virginia Beach for the AAU Indoor National Championships. And uh, for track and field with Braden, and it was cold. I don't recall being that cold in a long time. I think it was a uh, f- uh, fifty mile an hour winds with a wind chill of seven degrees, which I was not uh, prepared for. Braden wasn't prepared for, uh, so that brought some um, interesting stuff to the weekend. But uh, he wait, killed wait, it. Wait, wait, wait. Hold on one second. Before you get inside to to what happened, did Braden put on pants? No, neither of us had pants. Okay, all right. We just right. complained. So it's not that cold. I mean, <laughs> no. come on. We just, and it wasn't, uh, we ended up staying an extra day uh, unplanned. And the Sunday, we went down Friday and we came back Sunday, and Sunday it was cold, but it, they didn't have the winds, and it wasn't that bad. But the gale force winds off the uh, Atlantic made it miserable. Um, but with that said, he crushed it. He had an amazing uh, weekend. It was a super long day. Uh, we sat in the track for eight hours before his event even started. Ooh. And uh, as you know... Maybe not a lot of people know, but he's vegan, gluten-free, and you're, we're not allowed to bring food in, so we had no food for the whole day other than like an apple, and orange, some bars, and some chips, but uh, he crushed some souls, and he won his second uh, national championship in a row. Uh, last year, he won for 12 boys, and this year, he won for 13 boys, so it was a Overall, it was a killer weekend. It was my birthday weekend. I turned 51, and uh, I couldn't think of a better way to celebrate than uh, taking a little road trip with the little guy. Well, happy birthday to you. And, Thank you. And congratulations to Braden. I can't imagine being his age and having a couple of national championships under my belt. I mean, that's just incredible. What 
like we've talked about it before, his work ethic is amazing. You know, he's a goal setter. Uh, not that he's not a typical, you know, kid, right? He like, sure, right, he right. on the Xbox when he got home, you know, but. Oh, yeah. It, there, it, he walked in the house, gave Farika a hug. And, of course, they had talked about it. So, I mean, she had already had her conversation with him. And congratulations. I love you. You know, typical mom stuff. But he, uh, if he even gave her a hug and a hello to the dog <laughs> before he went to his Xbox, it, that was probably it. And uh, he told me one of his friends before, I'm like, hey, did any of your buddies tell you to, you know, good luck or anything before you left? And he's like, no, but uh, I forget her name. But one girl's like, I hope you lose. So, like, it was, but, like, to me, that's like, he was just being him with his friends and it didn't matter boy or girl that they were giving him a hard time. And, you know, there was some John going back and forth and two of his football buddies play on another local team. So he went, he wanted to go back to school today to tell them that, Hey, there's only one national champion in this town and that team doesn't start, you know, with an F. So that's some good fun. Uh, he probably spent six hours on the Xbox when we got home. So he was all a kid. And uh, we have another meet uh, this weekend in New York. And the work starts back today. We're going to the gym today. Got a throw lesson on Wednesday. Track season uh, for his youth team starts tomorrow. So the work doesn't stop. It's just beginning. And But I couldn't make him work and practice as much as he does. He really enjoys it. He has a lot of fun. Uh, he loves the sport, and uh, it's easy for me because all I got to do is drive him. I don't have to push him. He does it all himself. So what disciplines is he, when he's at these indoor meets, what disciplines is he doing? The indoor is only shot put. Okay. And then um, Tuesday for outdoor, uh, he does shot put and discus, and he's not old enough to throw the hammer yet in competition. That comes in a couple years. And uh, every once in a while, he'll throw the javelin. But uh, for but for the main is shot put and discus started going forward. Is that what he that's is that because that's what he enjoys the most? Um, yeah, yeah. Shot put right now is his favorite because he's doing really well. But in discus, once that outdoors discus is his favorite because he's really unbelievable. Shot put is his least event out of the four disciplines so javelin is his best event which maryland's not a javelin state so we never practice it we never do it uh and discus is probably number two and uh he uh, will probably be close to 150 feet this year in the discus which is unbelievable for his age man so is it is it unusual to be good at all of these disciplines like is at some point he is he going to have to concentrate or how does that work? No, uh, it's really uh, to be good at all four is really rare. To be good at two is more common. To go for like college recruiting, you you have to be good at multiple events. So you can't you can't be a great discus thrower and a terrible shot putter. Like there's a local kid. Um, who's going to be a, he was a senior in high school this year. And he throws like uh, 180 feet in a discus, which is the top kid in the state of Maryland. But his shot put is only like 44, which is like below average. 
So he's having a hard time having the bigger schools look at him because they're, of course, looking for, you know, how many points can you score to meet for me? And if you really only have one discipline, it's not really an advantage to a, a, a bigger school, to a smaller right. school. They don't care. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's interesting because I, I know very little about those, you know, about those things. I mean, you see some of them like in like the javelin or I think the javelins and the decathlon, right? Yep. Um, so you don't see a lot of, a lot of this stuff. The reason I've even paid any attention is because <laughs> of, because of Braden. Yeah. You know, and, and uh, he's in, he's opening a lot of eyes to the sport. There's a, um, a lot of our friends who have kids who are freshmen in high school are working with Bray because track is, there's not really a lot of competition. If you want to be on the track team, you just have to show up. Like they have tryouts, but it's their throwing is a way in for them to do another sport for four years of high school. And uh, two of them work with Bray now and they really have an advantage. And uh, they're like the, the freshman kids are throwing on the level of the like junior kids, like of the average, not the outliers, because Bray's teaching them how to do it. So they get that extra time in, which is, and then it's really fun for them because now they walk in being competitive in a sport they've never done before. Right, right, right. I mean, really, I think that my, my biggest exposure to like anything like that would, would have been playing the track and field video game as a kid <laughs> where you're, you know, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You got to hit, you know, then you hit it and you got to get the right angle to get that javelin. To, right. And know? it's all, it's all, it's like golf. <laughs> Throwing is like golf. If you're like the littlest bit off, your throw is terrible. Yeah. So, uh, he, uh, his winning throw was like, uh, I think it was 40 feet, nine inches. And his last throw, he was just going for it. Like the competition was over. There was no one close to him. And uh, the shot put slipped out of his hand. So he had like a 24-foot throw. So it was kind of – he was laughing. And you could see him like the uh, judge – There was there's four judges at a, at a shot put meet. So there's one to measure, one to retrieve, one kind of gives the order, and one just watch his watches his motion to make sure he doesn't fall. And they were kind of all laughing. And there were some older kids watching him, and they were laughing. So it was really fun. But uh, he the was rear was he laughing? Yeah, yeah. yeah you, I, I have a video. So. I'll show you the video. You can see him laughing afterwards, and he was just kind of clapping. And um, the rear part of it is he throws as far with the heavier weight than he did with the lighter weight, and it shouldn't. That part of it shouldn't be happening so quick. Ah, uh, so as they get older, the the shot gets heavier. Yeah, for 11-12, which he he doesn't throw anymore, but that's what he just finished. It's a six-pound shot put, and at 13-14, it's a nine-pound shot put. Oh, wow. It goes up a lot. Yeah, it goes up a lot. And then in high school, it goes up to 12 pounds. And in college, is it still 12? or is it 16. Heavy? So is that what the Olympics uses, a 16? 16, yeah. Oh, same as a bowling ball. Yep. A 16-pound bowling ball. Uh is the discus different? Uh, the discus is one kilogram, which is 2.2 pounds for from 11 to high school. And then in high school, it goes to 1.6 kilograms, which is like 3.8 pounds or something like that. 
And at that point, that's that's what they use all the way through then? Through college, and then college, it goes to two kilograms. Okay. And that's yeah. probably what they use in the Olympics? Yep. Yep. Very interesting. Well, now that we've gotten a field tutorial. <laughs> there you uh, go. D- Your Olympic moment with, with Pete and David. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, who knows, man? Maybe uh, Bray will be recording a... Road to the Olympics podcast someday. Yeah, you know? that well, that's his goal. So, uh, what a twenty thirty two or twenty thirty six are his goals. He wants twenty thirty two because that's in Australia, and thirty six oh, is in Indonesia. I better start making those reservations now. Yeah, I'll bring you along. I mean, come on, that's that would be awesome. I mean, look, whether he makes it or doesn't make it, doesn't to me is like secondary. Like to the goal and the work that you put in the journey, right? For sure. And it's such a fascinating thing to watch what you have, the kind of focus you got to have at a young age to be able to get to kind of that, that level. Yeah. I just like the fact that he has that dream. Yeah. Right. Like you're, you're passionate about the sport. There's no doubt in his mind that he's going to throw in high school. There's no doubt in his mind he's going to throw in college, and his dream is to make the Olympics. And you, you can't, you can't just have the dream. You have to work for it, just like anything. And he wants to put in the work, and you know, we'll see what happens. It's gonna be, a, it's gonna be a hell of a ride, that's for sure. Yeah, for sure. Man, all right. Well, that's some good stuff. What's been going on with you? How you been? How was well, that's week? about the only good stuff I have. I've been really good. <laughs> Otherwise, it's been a crazy long week for me. And um, I had some, not like crazy blood pressure issues earlier in the week, but just being on the new medicine, there were some huge fluctuations in my blood pressure. Like one day it's 172 over 110 and... Two days later, it's 126 over 72. And of course, like, that's what the medicine's supposed to do. But it, it took me a couple days to um, get used to that. And there's, I was, I didn't have like true dizzy spells, but like physically, I can definitely feel uh, the difference of that medicine kicking in. So uh, the earlier part of the week, I, I literally did nothing but just kind of let my body adjust to the medication and go through the uh, motions. Work was super busy because I had to do five days worth of work in three days because I was going out of town. Um, So that schedule was all screwed up. So I didn't really get any good positive actual running in, but I got some good movement in, some good walking. I didn't want to push anything while my blood pressure was trying to figure itself out. And uh, now this week, I feel like a million bucks, right? I think like my body is used to the medicine. It's kicked in. Uh, my numbers have been super consistent. And uh, so now I'm going to uh, get back on the horse. Eating has been good. I'm getting two solid meals in, which I really wanted to do. The water's been really good. Uh, less coffee has been really good. So, uh, I mean, o- overall, it's been really great. And... uh this week, it's just back to the grind. So you feel like everything's stabilized now? that, And you feel like you can get back to some activity, like purposeful kind of activity? Yeah, and I probably could have done it last week, but I just didn't want to take any chances. We had a big weekend coming up. I had a 
you know, the big work days and the, my work days are not stressful. I make cupcakes. So like, it's not like it's that difficult, you know, don't get me wrong, but I didn't want, I didn't want to push anything until I'd be 172 to 126 is a big difference. And I didn't want to be on the street and then take a nosedive or something, but physically the difference in a week of how I feel physically is unbelievable. Oh. And uh, I check my blood pressure now three times a day just to kind of see where it's at. And the numbers are much more consistent now. So I, I feel confident that if I go out and do um, another three miler, that I'm not going to have any issues. Right. And I, I, I wasn't so confident with all the, the, um, the big swings in the numbers last yeah. week. Yeah. Well, you left this last episode on kind of a cliffhanger. You and I have talked, but you you know your your lab results weren't back yet. They weren't back, and it kind of had me nervous. So uh, I I uh, looked up. I created an account with Quest Diagnostics, which is a big yep. uh, a big uh, uh, phlebotomy corporation. And it turns out that Maryland, Pennsylvania, and like two other states are allowed to hold your lab results. Like there's not a certain time that they have to release them. So it indicated that all my tests had, like they collected them and they are processed. So then it made me really nervous thinking that they're holding them for a reason because they're trying to get them to the doctor, whatever. But long story short, all my tests came back normal. My A1C was five, which I was really concerned about. And uh, it was actually 5.5, which is still like 5.7 is the the big one. And anything under six is good. So I was really happy with that. That's a simple change if I need to, you know, make it go lower. My cholesterol, I think, was 183. My tri- triglycerides were 72. Wow. So uh, everything was really good, and I, especially for my weight. Yeah, and, that's uh, fantastic. Yeah, man. so I was really happy with that and uh, yeah. thankful and now I know where I'm at. I just have that one blood pressure thing to worry about and make changes. So it's it's easier to go forward now and uh, come up with a plan. But I was pretty nervous last week. I don't know if I let on as much as how nervous I was about the A1C. But sure, so, yeah. Well, that's I mean that's a that's a huge relief, right? I mean mm. to get to get all that. And so it's funny you say Quest, right? I we've been watching the dropout on mm-hmm. hulu which is about elizabeth holmes and this uh company called theranos and i knew the story gretchen didn't so we watched like the 2020 special or whatever it was and then started watching the dramatic but they talk about quest right because mm-hmm. theranos if anybody hasn't seen it yet highly recommend listening to the podcast or starting to watch the tv show find the documentary but basically this woman had an idea that you take one pinprick of blood. So kind of like you, the way you test your glucose today, you know, uh, you know, at home, you just do a pinprick, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then you just take a drop of blood and you'll be able to run every test, you know, 200 tests on, on that blood that from that tiny sample. And it's the story of that, but she brings up quest as one of the big competitors, right? Right. Um, that it would be. And I mean, this, this woman fooled everybody. <laughs> and even Walgreens <clears throat> somehow. Yeah. But it's a it's a good it's an interesting story. 
And if you've heard the name, she recently just got convicted of some fraud counts. So, um, you know, that was in the news mm-hmm. uh, recently, too. But anyway, a little recommendation, a little throwback to when Gretchen's around for some TV. There you go. TV recommendations. Uh, yeah, man, I'm really excited for you on that, having that ba- uh, that blood test come back and it being really good. I mean, and it, it goes to show that there's a huge genetic component to this also mm-hmm. um, because, you know, most people, I think, would would go, oh, well, he's a 300-pound guy. He's going to have... He's going to have diabetes. Right, right, right. Right. And I, and truthfully, I thought I was there. Well, and I think it's kind of a misnomer. And I'm not saying that weight doesn't have something to do with diabetes. It does, right? Type 2 diabetes, I should be clear about that. Um, but I talked to an endocrinologist this week, and um, I have a full appointment with an endo- a different endocrinologist because I wanted to, to kind of hear a couple of different ways of thinking mm-hmm. um I, so i made one that was just like a call like a you know whatever video chat and now i'm gonna have one in person but i was talking about kind of what i'm doing and you know where i'm at and you know they're like uh, hey look you know you may not be doing the right things for for a diabetic mm-hmm. you know you've got to watch long periods of fasting yeah uh, you, you may not get the results that you want. It may tax your liver too much. It So there's, you know, basically all the things that I was kind of trying to do, they were not exactly happy like, yeah, like going I, down those paths, right? And I got some feedback about you with the diabetes and the intermittent, intermittent fasting that uh, it, it's really bad for diabetics to do that. So it's interesting that you brought that up. And of course, yeah. everyone's got an opinion now. You, you, the what you have to find one person that you trust in that medical field who you can have these open conversations with. But I thought that was interesting. Yeah, I mean, so really, what it comes down to is, according to you know what this endocrinologist was saying, it's. It's like for 92% or something, you know, huge of diabetics, intermittent fasting is bad. Right. right? And it's because of the fact that, you know, your blood sugar gets to a point and then your liver is going to produce that glucose anyway. And you actually are, it's not helping stabilize your blood sugar. Yeah. We can hear the dog. (laughs) (laughs) Tatanka and the dog are are Uh, down for lunch. (laughs) That's all good. Uh, And uh, the, um, the fact is that it does work for some people. And the problem that I think that we have overall as a society, you and I have talked about it, we're all N equals one. Mm-hmm. So even if it's 92%, I could be one of those 8%. Right. I have no proof it is or isn't, right? Yeah. Uh, what they asked me to do is kind of err on the side of caution. So in other words, because it's a preponderance of the evidence, according to their research, hey, could you, could you not, but... Maybe start tracking what you're eating so that you've got a diary when you go in to see the endo in, I think it's a month. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, it's a long time to get an appointment, unfortunately. Right. I mean, I've tried, I've been trying. Um, so I, I don't know what the answer is for me, but what I want this, what I want to talk to this endocrinologist about and potentially a, uh, 
a dietitian that specializes in diabetes is how do we experiment to, to figure out what's optimal for me? And you got to remember too, I'm trying to run a marathon. My training is going to, is going to be high, right? So how do I optimize my training? Because glucose is part of that. Like, sure. So let's be let's be clear. The the body uses glucose for fuel. Yes, it uses way more fat for fuel. However, on a run, it takes it takes some time to become you know, let's call it fat adapted for a better lack of a better term, right? Where you can utilize that fat on a run because your body wants to burn the glucose. Mm-hmm. So it takes some time, and when you're running races or run, having long runs, you're still going to need intake right you're going to need that that glucose sure so, sure and how does all everything you take during the run are all like if you're eating depending on your view of like bananas and oranges and goose and that kind of stuff during a run how's that going to affect yeah. you yeah absolutely and i i'm and that's what i need to understand better right like so i prefer morton gels mm-hmm and I, you know, I'm not sure what the makeup of a Morton gel is. You know, I, I could look it up, but my guess is it's going to have glucose and fructose or, you know, some, something like that. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and the reason is because you need quick fuel, right. On a run. Right, right, right. Now, the reason I like Morton is because it's a hydrogel. So it's got this, this kind of protective coating if you will for your stomach i don't have like other stuff upset like i get upset stomach easily when i run right it's hard for me to do this i I could never do the shrimp run because i can't eat fried shrimp (laughs) in the middle of a run right like that's not who i am you know which is maybe what will disqualify me from ever being a quote-unquote true ultra runner because i can't drink beer and eat fried foods and you know i tried pizza and i mean i just felt like garbage right yeah um I mean, it tastes good and it sounds good, but you know, if I walk, I'm fine. But if mm-hmm. I run, like jostling just doesn't do it for me. So I've got to find what's going to work um, for me. And I don't know what that's going to look like. What I don't want, though, is somebody to say, look, you know, as a diabetic, you just can't intermittent fast. What I want is somebody to say, hey, let's figure out, let's take your blood sugar readings at this time, this time, and this time throughout mm-hmm. the day. I'll become a pincushion, but I don't really care. Right. Like I want to figure out what it is because my weight loss has stopped. Mm-hmm. I'm basically just maintaining. So obviously I've got to adjust something. Whatever I'm doing isn't working in terms of weight loss itself. Mm-hmm. Even though that's not the, the full goal, I need to lose some weight because losing weight will help my time and my running get easier. Right? Sure. So I want to, I want to lose some some pounds still. What I really want to do is though, figure out like, Hey, what are the foods that impact me really negatively? What I will tell you is my view on things like fruit is that it just can't fruits. Not the reason I'm a diabetic, right? Like that's right. not it. Right. Well, there's, there's, you know, and I, I and I'm very pro plant-based and there are, there's a huge school of, um, doctors and people within the plant-based community that very successfully manage diabetes eating a lot of fruit 
and I and and I only say that because I agree with you that I don't think that fruit is the the enemy that people with diabetes make fruit out to be, and that is a and that is my opinion because obviously I don't have it, I don't have to deal with it, um, and I it's difficult to say that, but it, uh, I know there's a book um, mastering diabetes and it's a very heavy. Um, fruit-influenced, plant-based diet of dealing with diabetes. Yeah, and, I, and I've and i listened to some podcasts, too, lately, you know, just trying to soak in information. That's just how I am, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I'm, I like I like to read. I like to listen. I like a lot of opinions. And I've, uh, you know, I've, I've heard the keto, banting, NSNG take on it. And, um, and I'm not saying that doesn't work for somebody, but it may mm. not work for me, may, sure. but it might, who knows? Uh, and then, you know, recently, um, Annie and Nicole, who are dietitians, uh, they just put out, they have a podcast called Between Two Pastries and yes. it's Annie Weiss. And, sure. um, uh, so she's an ultra runner, uh, and, and Gretchen actually tried to work with Nicole at one point. We right, right. I remember that. Podcast. So with their, it's their, to me, their podcast can be a little tough because they're kind of snarky about anything that they don't agree with. Right. And, and that's it. Look, it's their podcast. They can do whatever they want. Sure. I'm just saying for me, it's really tough for me to listen to somebody who just is like, they dismissive and almost like they're making fun of anybody who doesn't believe what they do. Right. And, and, and for me, that's, that's just difficult, right? Mm-hmm. This, they just did an episode though on diabetes where they invited two other people on who are uh, also dietitians, but that specialize more in diet in diabetes. And they were talking about a lot of this stuff and I'm soaking it in, right? Like don't know if it applies to me. They're talking about on average. And I think that's one of the biggest problems that I have with research, right? It's a majority of 68%. Well, that still means 32% mm-hmm. didn't have that same right. you know, reaction. So you've got to be careful. And so, I, you know, well, here's what I could tell you that p- would probably work a lot better. I cut my volume even like just a little bit more. I eat more vegetables, more fruit. If I did those things a little and, and a, maybe, you know, and, and just keep hone it like keep taking down the processed foods Mm -hmm. it just can't be bad right it's It's not gonna be bad for you no but i've also come to the point now where i'm like look i'm not gonna give up 100 percent processed foods i'm not tom brady (laughs) i'm not i'm not vinnie tortorich you know i'm not but you know it's funny everyone says tom brady tom brady wouldn't be successful if tom brady didn't have a gazillion dollars for him to have someone cook all his meals for him and do all that stuff. So it's it's not that truly is an N equals one because the common person cannot live a lifestyle like that successfully. It's too hard. He literally comes home and everything's prepared for him. His job prepares all that food for him. You know what I mean? Like you can't. Well, that's li- exactly uh, that's exactly my point. Right. right. Like I and forget about somebody preparing the food. Forget about that component. The discipline alone, most of us can't do. Right. And look, at, I mean, he's disciplined. I mean, somebody made it doesn't mean he eats it. A hundred percent. But if you look at Oprah, who's got 
all the money in the world and all the chefs and how many times has she been up and down and health issues and just proving it, it really, truly doesn't matter what resources you have, that this right. is a really difficult thing to do. Yeah. Yeah. So, I, I mean, I'm trying to kind of find that balance for myself and I need somebody that understands I want to be active, not at a 30 minutes a day, super low impact. I want to, I'm going to be running hills. I'm going to be running 20 miles. I'm, you know, I'm doing more intense stuff mixed in with the easy. Now, have so, you searched out in like uh, the, like the, even the Badger community or anyone who, who runs those races with diabetes? Have you looked for, for people like that as a resource? I, I have, I have talked to some, but they're so far it's been type one diabetics, which is a different animal. That's an insulin dependent. Sure. Sure. Diabetes is what a lot of people will call it. Right. That's an insulin dependent diabetes from the, from the get go. Right. Right. Um, And now they have type one and a half, which is, you know, you're an adult when you're diagnosed with type one. Yeah. And a lot of people are, you know, Mm -hmm. um, older, um, you know, so I, I, so, so far not type two diabetics, but again, they, you're, and I think I would love to, to have those conversations, right? Because I want to hear what is working for, for people and figure out how to incorporate it, you know? So it's been a rough week for me just in terms of trying to understand, like when you hear like, Hey, everything you're doing could be exactly wrong. Right. I mean, that's, that's, that's a tough a tough thing to hear sure and so i i kind of slipped then Mm -hmm. into eating what i wanted and i i could feel like the old like mindset coming back right and so now i've had to kind of say whoa 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 like they didn't say go back to what you were doing they're saying like hey eat when you get hungry eat some natural foods try to you know prepare yourself and be ready and, you know, don't go out and think that, you know, cereal is bad, right? right. Like, and that's a lot. And I will admit, a lot of my mindset has been that. In a way, a lot of people talk about it. They even said it on uh, that podcast I was just talking about with Between Two Pastries. Don't think of it as an on-off switch. Think of it as a dimmer switch. Mm-hmm. Things that are kind of more optimal and less optimal. Uh, so I did that. And then, you know, I've also listened to a podcast I actually think I sent sent to you about the science of kind of fueling. Yeah. And it was really eye-opening to me. Like I kind of knew a lot of that, but um, kind of listening to that and then trying to figure out, oh my God, how does this apply sure. to somebody who's diabetic? Yeah, I started to listen to it, but they're English guys. Yeah, they are. Yeah. And I can't stand the English accent. Dude, so, you and my, and my son. I can't stand it so i can listen to there's a um another podcast that i listen to and the guy's australian and he's super knowledgeable and i i want to listen to every word the guy says but i have to be in a certain mood to listen to it and to me like the english accent is very nasally and it's just really hard to listen to so I'm, i'm gonna listen to it in parts and it like i was at work and i i need a different kind of podcast that I can listen to and not have to think while I'm listening to it. 
So, oh yeah, this one you got to think while you're yeah, listening. Yeah, yeah. So like, it just gotta, when I when I went to listen to it, I wasn't in the right frame of mind. Like I just needed yeah. like a, it's really just like white background noise of like I can just listen to people talk but and not think about it. Like there's a Rich Roll um podcast with this guy Simon Hill, who's the Australian guy, and he he takes a super super deep dive into nutrients and plant-based and things you really need and then as like endurance wise what you really need so i really wanted to listen to it for brace sake and i like it's three it's i think it's close to three hours long and i really need to sit down with like a a pen and a piece of paper and write this stuff down because he like goes into like iodine and magnesium and all these things and you know vitamin d and all this stuff and for for me it's important and now like now, like I, my, um, blood pressure pill and vitamin D, there's some kind of issue with. So now I'm like, I know I'm vitamin D deficient. Almost the whole country's vitamin D deficient. So now what do I do for me? And then how do I figure out Bray and I'll making, as I'm cooking for him, making sure that he's getting everything he needs. So, I mean, it's just a, I really... I don't know how I got on the tangent, but I really want to listen to that fueling thing that yeah. you sent me. Yeah. So it's called the real science of sport podcast. And you know, it, it's a few episodes back. It's about fueling. My, my brother sent it to me. Mm-hmm. So my brother, Joe, the, uh, the old the, McRunner, the, um, yeah. you know, he, <laughs> the and, adventure and, jogger, your two hour marathon brother. Yeah. Yeah. So he's, uh, so he sent it to me and it's, it's a fascinating listen. I think, I think one's South African, uh, maybe they're both South African. I'm not sure, but either way, they do have an accent. So if that annoys you, like it does my son or Dave, that could be a thing. But the information is great. But my point being that I've been devouring all this stuff, right? Um, and it, I, I got, I can't wait to figure it out. Like I'm yeah. just going to keep experimenting, and you know, I'll have. I'm going to start logging my food here again. Um, I'm going to start logging times with that a little bit better. I may actually just not even put it in my fitness pal mm-hmm. and not worry about calorically or anything, but literally keep an old school handwritten yeah. diary. Have you used you know? uh, cro cro monitor or chrometer? I've I've looked at all those things. Yeah, I like yeah. that one because it gives it really breaks it down more. And I'm a terrible food track. I really want a food track, but I, I'm terrible at it. So here's what I want to do. I want to just take a picture and then that's it. Like I seriously just want to take the picture and yeah, it yeah. does all the work for me. Sure. Finding and measuring, like I got into it at one point. Like I was measuring every single, you know, gram of food and that's too much for me, but that's what, all of them are a problem for me because I got to know, okay, well, how many ounces about, right? Like, right. you don't have to be exact, but I can't even tell visually what I did. And then I'm measuring every tablespoon of olive oil and, you know, we're trying to build recipes in it and it's just too much. Like, it's too much. So I really think that for my purposes, like not worrying about macro and micro uh, nutrients right now, just literally write down what I'm eating. Sure. And, and then know what I've been doing after I meet with the endocrinologist, I'm almost positive. They're going to say, here, here's the prescription for a glucose meter. 
Mm -hmm. Go get it. And here's when I want you to take your blood sugar. And uh, I'll do it. Yeah. To to figure it out. But, you know, like I I have a friend. His A1C is 13. So, like, the, the victory for you right now is you're making all those steps to figure out, hey, something's not working now. What do I need to do? Your your medical people are saying this might not be right for you. Let's figure it out. And I and I think that's that's the victory. And what what you you put on your pedestal now is, you know, if you had to food track and take your blood sugar two, three, four times a day, then that's what you do, and you figure out what's working and what's not working. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I didn't expect this to be a nutrition episode. Like, I wanted yeah. to talk about pace this week, but I think it's important. To, we'll we'll talk about that another time. There's because there's a lot more here that I wanna I want to address. Um, one of the things on that two paste between two pastries that, and then the endocrinologist they both said it to me. You know, both was the same sentiment. And and this hit me. I thought it would be good for me mentally, but dude, uh-huh. I got. I got into a deep funk uh, after this because I wasn't sure how it meant. But basically they said, one, you don't cure diabetes. It goes into remission. And I'm like, oh, okay. That's, that's not the way I was looking at it. And right. to me, that's, that's a little scary, right? Like, and usually when you hear remission, you're talking about things like cancer or. Sure. Sure. Know, like much harsher. Yes. Although diabetes is a harsh disease, right? Like it's, it's a very harsh disease. And that's the other piece of it. And then the other piece was that, look, um, this could, the way that the endocrinologist said, look, we don't know enough about you got yet, but given your history, your family history, I mean, genetics is just playing a, a dealt you a tough hand. There's only so much diet exercise can do if your genetics are working against you. And to, to think about the fact that by no fault of my own, right? It's like, it's not like you smoked for 50 years and now you have lung cancer, right? right? It's that you wake up one day and, oh my gosh, I've got leukemia, right? Like just got dealt the wrong hand, right? Like mm-hmm. it, those types of things. And believe me, I'm not, I, I'm not comparing my situation to somebody who wakes up with leukemia. Like I, these are all different things, but they're all still like diabetes kills people. A yes. lot of people and you got to get a hold of it. And so I thought at first, like, oh, not my fault, right? Maybe it doesn't cure, but I can put it in remission. And then I, and then it just kept weighing on my mind and it really pushed me into a funk thinking like, crap, I might not be able to control this at all yeah, in see, the end. But I, I think in hearing that, my first reaction is remission is a really strong word for a type two diabetic. And I only say that because I probably listen to 20 different podcasts a week. And most of them are plant-based. And when they talk about type two diabetes, the word remission is never used. It's always cured in the sense of you can lower your A1C and many people have become non-diabetic by changing their diet. And I think food plays a huge role 
in that. And of course, I don't deal with it, so I don't, I, I don't have that firsthand knowledge. And I think that remission is more is, and maybe it's just because it's used more towards diseases like cancer, that. It, I I don't think that that's I think it, it causes uh, it it's making it a much harder harsher of a word and a feeling than it really meant. Does that make sense? Well, I guess it's what their what their point is is it's not a cold. It doesn't just go away. It's sure. always it you you always have the propensity to have it. So if 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 it goes away and then you don't maintain the changes, it will come back, right? Sure. Which is the definition of remission. Okay. So, um, you know, so that that's it. And, and you know, I hear you on, like, listening to others, and I have too. My problem has been that, and I, I kind of put the, I put the same level of expertise on the person who's talking about it as an athlete, as I did that somebody talking about it, or a plant-based person who is just an everyday person or any, it doesn't have to be plant-based keto doesn't matter. Right. Like right. as a person who found a way to overcome their type two, I was putting the same weight as somebody who is an endocrinologist, a diabetic, you know, dietitian, like an expert in the field. And they're looking at a much larger swath of population, not, right. not uh, anecdotal. Here's a one-off, right? I mean, there's going to be thousands of people who have who have put their diabetes into remission or cured it using plant-based, keto, uh, Atkins, uh, just Chico, but cutting back on processed foods. Mm-hmm. There's all kinds of ways to skin the cat. It's what works for for you, right? And I, I mean, I I guess the bigger part of that is just how much it. I didn't realize how much it impacted me mentally until like the last day and a half oh i get it pete you're talking to a guy who cried in the doctor's office the other day i've <laughs> cried like two other times in my adult life right so i i, I get that a hundred percent and i'm sure someone's listening is shaking their head in agreement with you and is probably going through the same thing and the same experience yeah i mean it's it's a you got to go through the stages i mean and for me too the other problem is so couple that right with the fact that I have a kind of a, a minor ongoing quote unquote injury right now. And so I haven't been able to run consistently. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when you start getting used to exercise and, and you're not able to do it, it screws with you mentally. Oh, yeah. Huge. Right? Huge. So, you know, so I had like these two things kind of coincide. And I'll talk about the injury in a few minutes, but. I had these two things coincide and I'm like, I just kind of got to the point where I stopped giving food power, right? Like it wasn't taking up so much of my mental space and now it's back, right? Right. And it's not back in the same way. It's back in a different way, right? Like I'm not worrying about what's, I got to be perfect. I got to be perfect. I'm thinking about, Hey, how do I optimize things? Mm-hmm. And, but what do I do? It's really more on the athletic side, right? Like right. how do I, how do I lose weight? get my day-to-day uh, intake where it needs to be. And then how do I enhance that with what I need for the exercise portion of it? Not, you know, and, and how's that all going to work, right? Mm-hmm. 
And so now I got to figure it out. And I like figuring, I like figuring shit out. So, right. you know, I'm, I'm turning the corner today, um, you know, and already this morning I felt better about it. Like I'm turning the corner with, all right, let's go figure this out. But, yeah. uh, you know, I had my kind of, uh, between the injury and that I had a couple of days of, you know, a little self pity party. That's okay. I had a pity party last week. It, it and I, I think you and I are very similar and we're going through these life moments as fathers of young kids coming out of this train wreck pandemic, right? Now we have different health issues and we are, we've had a very different life moment for the last two years. And now we're in a self-reflective life moment and we're going through it together. And I think um, you and I are both about bettering ourselves and doing it for our, our young kids. And it's that, that no, the point of no return moment. All right. I'm going to sit here. I'm going to cry. I'm going to drink a martini. This is what I did for my pity party. I don't know what you did for your pity party. Didn't drink. I can't believe it, but I did not. Right. Like, so I did, I didn't drink a half a bottle or anything crazy, but I purposely like, I'm going to sit on this couch. I'm going to feel sorry for myself. I'm going to have a pity party. And tomorrow I'm going to wake up and we're going to kick this thing in the ass and move forward. And yeah, I may have had a zinger and a, and a, some banana pudding. That's okay. You know, but I'm, I don't feel bad about it. It it kind of is what it is. Right. And I'm with you, man. Like I'm ready to, to move forward. And same with the injury. Like it didn't get me down like the way injuries have in the past. Right. Mm -hmm. I, all I, I mean, I just attacked it, you know, yeah. talked to my coach, talked to Holly Ann, and I attacked it. And that's, that's, what, that's all you that's can, all do. can do, right? Yeah. So along those lines, I probably, you know, so I'll pivot a little bit here. Although I do want to come back to one more thing on, on nutrition. Um, so I was doing my three mile run with five by 20 strides <laughs> after the run. Yeah. And third stride, I'm like, that kind of hurts. It was like my upper calf, like bottom of my knee, and then down into like almost like the left side. It was my left leg and then down in the left side of my calf. Um, I'm like, that That kind of hurts. Mm -hmm. But finished my strides. And then as I'm walking home, I'm like, oh, yeah, that definitely hurts, right? Because – where the pain really comes in is as you cool down, right? And sure. And the blood starts flowing a different way. And I'm like, ooh. Oh no, no, no. That 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 hurts quite a bit. So I'm like, that's not good. Like I'm kind of limping around basically. So I, you know, get out the Theragon. I, <laughs> I let my coach know. I get out the Theragon. I get out the foam roller. Uh and I and I'm doing my hip exercises anyway. Uh, this this exercise routine called Hips of Death. I've talked about it before. Uh, <laughs> Coach Andy introduced me two years ago. I'm doing all the things I got to do right. And and a day goes by. I'm like, um, I probably should take the day off. Uh, and I did. You know, Coach and I are talking, and I'm like, oh, next day I'm like, oh, it feels pretty good. I'm gonna go run. Just before one mile in, I'm like, yeah, that that kind of hurts. <laughs> but of course, 
Doesn't hurt bad enough to stop. Right. And it actually hurts worse when I stop. So yeah. I might as well finish the run. Right. It's not structural. This is clearly a strain or an overuse with how fast it felt okay. Mm-hmm. So I, I went out and, you know, I finished the run. I came back and I'm like, ugh, you know, <laughs> here, this is, this isn't great. So, um, Coach Hollyann says, hey, I, I use this rehab app. Go check it out. And so I downloaded it and I put in all my aches and or it's called Recover. Okay. That's the name of the app is Recover. Um, and I put in all my aches and pains and it says, uh, you know, what do you want to work on? I'm see like, your okay, doctor now. <laughs> I'm like the calf. No, no, it doesn't say see the doctor. Uh, and it gives, it prescribes this series of kind of weight bearing and other exercises mm-hmm. to do. Right. And, uh, as kind of like prehab for your, you know, before you run or, or whatever. So I'm like, uh, uh. All right, I'm going to do this. So I did that routine, foam rolled everything, and I'm like, okay, feeling pretty good. This morning, feels pretty good. Great. Now, of course, because I was doing these exercises, the right calf's a little more sore <laughs> because, sure. you know, it wasn't hurting before, but, you know, you do all these. There's a soreness, but it's like that good kind of soreness, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm like, oh, it feels pretty good. So I'm going to go try to run three later. Um, and, of course, your calf is hurting Probably because of 20 other muscles in other areas of your body, too. Well, and that, and exactly. And that's what it's doing, right? It's mm-hmm. giving you, it's not targeting the calf, right? It's targeting the calf and all the other structures that would impact the calf. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. Like, cause I know um, when I go to my chiropractor for stuff and I swear by him, he saved my fire career uh, a long time ago for a back injury. But if my if the right side of my neck or my back is messed up, he works on the right side, and by releasing all that stuff on the left side, it you know it releases the stuff on the on the other side, and then he'll go work on that, which yeah. is you know which is crazy. Like if I have a shoulder injury, he's messing with my left arm, and then during that process, my right arm is better because all those connecting and corresponding muscles and tendons and everything are loosened up and then you can yeah. work on the injured area yeah i mean the kinetic you know kinetic chain basically is what yeah. you're talking about I mean, the kinetic chain is an amazing thing right and and a lot of times we don't think about okay well my my uh my knee hurts so my it's my knee that hurts well no it's your it band is right tight. right and if you loosen that it band it's going to loosen up the you know the strain on the knee you've got to have those you know look as runners, we got to have stronger glutes and hips and yeah. we just don't. And we've got to keep working on that squats and got to do with the, the, the other exercise or else you end up, especially as we age, we'll end up. Hey, we just proved injured. we're 51 year old overweight runners. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. So uh, anyway, I'm going to go for a run today. So I skip, you know, my long run, which is tough because it finally was decent. I was windy. Yeah, but I swear wind. I don't remember this much wind growing up. I mean, it is the wind is a minimum of fifteen miles an hour at all times anymore. It's yeah. insane to me. Um, but anyway, it was windy, but it got warmer. So it's like I wanted to be out there, but instead this afternoon I'll go for three. I wanted to just get plenty of time to kind of let it rest. And are you doing all all of these runs are at 
like conversational pace or are you looking yeah. at numbers with your coach? Yeah. So these are all easy runs. Mm-hmm. So I mean, I'm running anywhere. Like I'm, I'm rarely under a 13 minute mile. I'm typically between like a 13 and a 13 and a half minute mile. Some of them are 1340s. Yeah. So they're easy pace. Um, I'm averaging in the 13, 15 to 13, 30 pace for most of these runs. It's kind of just base building right now. Sure. We'll start with some other stuff here shortly to base build. But yeah, I'm not looking at pace. I I mean, I'm looking at pace, like just keeping it in that range, but I keep it in that range by feel. Yeah. Not really my watch. Yeah. And I'm just in a, in a comfort, like I'm moving in conversational pace. Cause anything, if I try to push it too much, then it, the day's going to end. I'm just not in that place where I can push a, you know, a, yeah. three mile tempo run. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, and then the other thing I started thinking about related to that, you know, my little uh, injury here is, you know, I did go to ultras, which are minimal drop shoes. Yeah. Well, they say the first three weeks you're going to have the calf stuff. So I so told I, that's, that's that right there is something. It definitely is. And I, I, I want to kind of, I'm hoping this goes away and I don't have to switch shoes yet again yeah, because yeah, I yeah. love the feel of these. The, the you feel of this is so good. Yeah. And it says it right on the box too, doesn't it? On ultras, it gives that all those instructions on the inside. Do they still do that? Uh, I don't, maybe I still have the box. I didn't look on that. Yeah. I know if you go on there, when I bought my ultras and this was a while ago, they put all those instructions and you know, uh, break them in slowly and don't do like except like for the first time you wear them because you'll experience calf issues. <laughs> Your dog's having some fun up there. Yeah, she oh. must be. It's lunchtime, so she's probably coming down for work. And he right. hates that I'm down here. Yeah, I bet. Right? You can uh, can you hear her walking? Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> Pretty funny. Uh, so. Yeah, I mean, I knew I needed to do it. I guess I should have been like I haven't run that far and right, been three miles and then you know one five miler. But either way, probably could be a mile, right? Yeah, and you're gonna. It's more strain. So hopefully, I'll get used to them, and the, you know, doing the exercises and the recover app stuff, you know, a few times a week, continuing to theragun foam roll, stretch, doing all this other stuff. Hopefully, it works out. Because I love the Ultra. So I'm using the Ultra Torin and I love mm-hmm. the feel of it. Like, I, I don't know if it's the minimal drop, if it's the shoe, the wide toe box, but it has like the stuff that I need and like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Shoe. I would go right to the site and look that up because it will tell you that you'll have um, calf issues and stuff like that for the first. I think, I think they even say um, three weeks. If it was soreness, I would take it. This was pain. Right? Yeah. Like, so that's that's a little bit more of an issue now it's more like a, a tightness soreness after a day uh-huh. uh but give it you know i might just have to take a, an extra day here and there you know for the first few weeks luckily like we said we have 30 weeks till the marathon that's crazy and what how long is your official program are you a 16 week do you know once it like you're uh, all right this is day one marathon training I, you know, I haven't really talked to Hall about that. Um, I will. Yeah. I mean, not not that you're not in it now, but I'm curious of when it's like focused. 
you know, yeah. like this is like you're in base building now and then you get to your specific, here's your marathon training program. Yeah. I mean, it's going to be an interesting thing, right, Dave, because, and I'm not sure like where yours starts or like where the mileage starts, right? Uh, but for me, like I, like I did, I, I did my five mile long run with no problem. Like I want, I can't wait to get a little bit faster for easy pace, but that's all about building I mean, that takes time, right? Like, yeah. I know where I'm at, right? Um, and the six-miler, like, didn't intimidate me at all. So, in my mind, like, I'm already at a six-mile long run. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I'm going to – and I'm going to do the Sugar Badger half. So, the way I think that we're probably looking at this is kind of like a half mar- – like a base building, half marathon training plan in the next 12 weeks or whatever it right. is. And then once that's done, I have about 18 weeks, I think it is, before the marathon. So, but I'll, but my long run will be 13 miles already. Right, right. So, you know, if I'm starting out with a 12 mile long run at 16 weeks out, I'm in really good position. Yeah. And that's what, that's what my goal had been. Of course, the first week was great. The second week, meh. But, um, so I would be on my third week of that half marathon training program and i think if i remember correctly team and trainings um first long run is like a four to six mile window for that first long run and i think they exclusively when i did it um the last time they didn't have like a it you had your like it was just mileage but i think now they have like a it's all specific run walk but i could be wrong on that but uh so is your so this is interesting so you did you miss all week then did you do no no i did not do any like specific run walk training programs but i got some walks time on my feet in yeah but uh like my three mile long run i didn't do last week but uh you know i probably over the weekend with Bray, I probably walk three, four, five miles a day, sure. you know, around the. So I have time on my feet, but did I say um, Monday I have, uh, you know, one minute run, two minute walk for 30 minutes? I didn't do that specifically, but I went and walked. So how will you then pick it up this week? Like, where will you, will you pick it up with last week or? Uh, I will look at the program. If it's if the um, second and third week are the same, I'll just jump into the third week because it's run walk. It's nothing, you know. It's not like I have to go run five miles tomorrow. It's it will be a run walk one minute two minute, and it might change to two minute two minute. And if even if it does that for week three for thirty minutes two minutes two minutes versus one two, then I'll just go into the two minute. You know, you can run for two minutes, even, you know, at 300 pounds, you could run for two minutes. I'm not sprinting for two minutes. It's, you know, whatever. Well, I think that's a really good tip, though, for people who are intimidated by something like that. Your two minutes, your minute, your two minutes, whatever it is, it's at as slow as you need to go. Yeah, 100 percent. Right? Like I there's probably not much different of what I'm walking and what I'm running at this point. Like, cause I'm going to walk fast and then I'm going to speed it up to a very easy conversational pace 
for one minute or two minutes. And if there's a certain hill around my house, I'm walking that hill. I'm not, this is all just about body in motion time on my feet. And eventually, as my diet gets better, my hydration gets better, I, I dial in that food that's working, I'm going to drop weight because I weigh 300 pounds regardless, right? At a certain point, it will plateau and we'll have to work a little bit harder. But as just with time on feet and exercising and doing this run walk, those conversational paces are going to get faster without trying. It's just how it works. Right. You know, like eventually if you're doing a... um if you're doing this all in zone two, right? I might walk in a, a zone two at a 15 minute mile pace and three months later without really any changing anything, but doing that, my zone two is going to increase and my pace is going to increase just because my heart and body is in better shape. Yeah. When you're talking about zone two, you're talking about heart rate, right? Like a, a range where right. you're in, uh, Zone two is kind of a lot of people will refer to it as like a fat burning zone. Mm -hmm. So it's very like you, you could talk in a normal, like you keep calling it, conversational pace where you could talk back and forth. There's no strain to what's going on. Even even zone three is mostly like that right. um, for a lot of people. I know for me, it's zone two and zone three are like that. And then it's zone four where it starts to get difficult right your zone four zone five you're hurting yourself zone two is how i look at it zone four and five is you're pushing it there's not really any benefit to it and zone two three you're there's some kind of benefit to that well there's benefit in zone four and five it's much harder to do like i couldn't yeah. run a marathon in zone five. Oh no 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 right, right. No, so I that mean, that's what i'm that's my simple yeah, way yeah. of of looking at it like yeah uh you know for me uh, a stride might be um like a, a tempo run would be more of a zone three and like a full-on you know sprint would be zone four zone five like there's a benefit of it to the r race but it i'm not going to do much in a zone four or zone five other yeah, than I mean, breathe really hard yeah it, <laughs> try I mean, not to faint yeah, I mean, when you're building training programs, it's, you know, 80-20, right? That, but where your adaptations come in um, are in that higher yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. zone four kind of area, right? Um, and you got to get used to being in that pain cave because at some point when you're running 26 miles, you may hit that zone four even running your regular kind of pace just because you've been doing it for so long. Right. Um, so you got to watch that, but that's also where the fueling strategy, I mean, when we get into, you know, later in this series, as we get closer to race time, where we talk about fueling strategies, a lot of that, you know. Yeah. So you think, wait, I don't really ever have a fueling strategy other than, oh my God, I hope there's some water in a, yeah, like, I can't gonna... run with, um, I can't drink Gatorade or Powerade on a course. Right. So I know that going in. So I'll always, that's why I carry bottles is because I'll always have to bring my own uh, electrolyte drink. And right now I'm thinking I'm going to go, you can for that. But because uh, I know I can't do um, uh, Powerade or Gatorade on a run course. Sure. Which they'll probably have 
almost guaranteed one of the two. Powerade, yeah, they they or tail well, tailwinds, I guess, more trails, but yeah, they're yeah, it's interesting. I mean, we'll definitely get into that. I mean, it's uh, you're gonna have some sort of strategy because I'm gonna make you talk about it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Look, you can't. You can't wing things at 51 the way you were able to wing Look, things at 31, brother. Pete, I, I, this is a whole new world for me. I, I'm just <laughs> learning that I'm not. It's taken me 20 years to realize that I'm not 31 anymore. <laughs> oh, man. All right. So I got one more thing to go back to. Okay. Uh, it was a conversation with my older daughter, Lily. And she'll. luckily, there's not that many people that listen to this. And... If you do happen to listen to it and are and have opinions, direct them to me, <laughs> not to anybody else, please. Um, so she's taking a, a health class. Uh-huh. She's a sophomore in high school. And part of this class is for her to, for the entire class, they have to make a MyFitnessPal account, which, by the way, you need to be 18 to do. So you have to lie about your age. Right. So this is a school telling you to lie about your age on an app. Flag one. <laughs> and then you have to do the, uh, then you have to track your food. And then you have to do like a paper on like why, you know, so the way you build a MyFitnessPal is you put in your age, your height, your weight, your activity level, right? And it's going to spit out a calorie uh, goal and a macros goal for right. you. And... Then she needs to do that and then write a paper on like where she's at compared to what it says is ideal in my fitness pal. And then like, what do you have to do? Like, um, like how does that change? Like, what do you need to change to hit the, the levels that they're saying? So the Lily is, uh, a small human being. Mm -hmm. She's five foot tall. And um, I probably won't give out her weight, but she is a tiny, she's tiny, right? Mm -hmm. Not under a hundred pounds, but let's say not over 115. Okay. And, and she's very athletic, right? And so (laughs) the talks cracked me up. Um, the, she's very athletic. So she exercises, she does her, you know, she does what she needs to do in life. She Mm -hmm. needs she eats pretty well, you know. My fitness pal has told my 15-year-old daughter, but even <laughs> if she's 18, right, soon to be 16, as a five-foot tall, athletically built, thin, you know, in-shape person, that she should be eating 2,200 calories a day. Lily does not. Right. And she's perfectly fine. And yeah. she's going, what am I going to do? So finish, I'm sorry. No, no. So that is like, this is what they're teaching in a health class. As a father, I am not happy. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I would, what's the, what are they trying to prove or get the kids to acknowledge other than now making food an issue? You know, I don't, I don't know, Dave. I mean, this is, I have no idea what the goal of this would be. And given the, the amount of body issues. A hundred percent. You're just creating have, more. Yes. So I said, this is tough on the girl who's 
thin and athletic. Imagine if yeah. you're overweight. Oh, 100%. Right? What the, What is this doing to you? And how much are you just lying to get through this? And just hoping to God like it doesn't impact you too negatively. Well, right? and I would I would willing to bet, based on my experience of being the super heavy fat kid, that I would not answer that truthfully at all. Or being the a-hole that I am with my academic record and how and how I got through school, I would lie my whole way through that. Like there would be nothing to gain out of giving me that assignment. And if someone gave that to Braden, I would tell him not to do it. Yeah. I mean, well, Lily's going to do it, right? Because she's a very driven, like I got to have my A's, but the, uh, I, I'm not happy with it. So here, one of the things that I told her to do, I said, well, Lily, go back in there and put your activity to sedentary and see what it tells you to do. Mm-hmm. I said, I bet it cuts 600 calories off of that. Sure. Right. But she may not even eat 1600 calories, right? Like on some days, because that's not, she eats, she is, I wish I was able to eat like her. She eats when she's hungry. Yeah. She never overeats ever. And just, she eats intuitively like that intuitive. kind sure, of Sure. Sure. Right. But like Brayton, I, I look at him with his, the way he eats, and we don't ever count calories or anything like that. How does he wake up in the morning? Is he dragging super bad, or is he wake up wide awake, ready to go for the day? How's he at in, like, in the middle of the day? Hey, Bray, how you feel during the day? Do you fall asleep in your afternoon classes? How much energy do you have? after school and how well are you performing at your activities? And we now have activities five days a week. So you cannot eat a normal diet that a 12 year old kid does because you're lifting three days a week. You need more food for that. You're running now track two days a week. You're throwing three days a week and you have his musical rehearsals. So you, I have to look at Braden physically and mentally are his grades dropping, all that stuff, and he's eating okay. The same way with Lily, if she is, if she eats like a bird and she's thriving academically, physically, she feels good, she's happy, then she's getting enough food. Who cares what my fitness pal says? And that's just it, right? Like, so, you know, we went out for um, ribs on. Saturday, she just got her braces off, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm like, "Hey, you want some ribs? You have many yeah. ribs, and like popcorn years, and right? ribs, <laughs> you know." So and she loves popcorn too. So she's like, "Yeah," she's like, "Let's go for some ribs, right?" I mean, she ate the half slab of ribs and some fries and you know bread, and I mean, perfectly happy, right? Mm-hmm. And, and and if she put that in my fitness pal, right, it's going to say, oh, my God, you eat so much fat. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, uh, awful. And she's not eating ribs every day. Like, that's that's just, like, something I've had to overcome. And she kind of does it naturally. Like, if I have ribs today, then maybe I'm having a plain chicken breast tomorrow. Yeah. Right? Like, she's just balancing her life naturally. And I, I guess I'm okay with health class talking about nutrition, macros, you know, nutrients, 
I'm I'm fine with it being a discussion and telling and even like, hey, why don't you do this for yourself? But to make them write a paper and say, what do I, because part of it is, what do I need to do to hit what my fitness pal is telling me to do? And I'm like, who made my fitness pal the expert on your nutrition? Or the health teacher, like no disrespect to a health teacher, but I'm pretty sure that that health teacher doesn't have any specific nutritional knowledge like a registered clinical dietitian does. And then, you know, like if you look at school lunches, those kids have school lunch. There's no nutritional value to a school lunch other than it's giving kids some calories during the day. Right. Well, and, and look, if this does somehow, because I'm not going to, I'm not going to make waves for, for Lily. I mean, she's, she's fine. She'll, yeah. she'll take care of this. Right. If she asks for, for help, then I would do it. Right. But if this does somehow make it back to this teacher and they would like to have a discussion, <laughs> More than happy. Let's, yeah. let's have the discussion, right? Like, let, but let's record it so that, like, you can let us know what's going on. And, and I don't mean that from a gotcha perspective. Like, right, right, right. Like, I mean it from a, like, let's all learn together. Mm-hmm. Like, because that's, I wish I understood nutrition more. I sure. wish I understood all this stuff better, right? As a matter of fact, Dave, I'm going and taking a couple of free online classes right now yeah. to, to try to just learn. I'm going to get a couple of opinions and I'm not going to consider myself an expert after it. Instead, I'm just going to have knowledge base so that when a hundred percent, a nutritionist talks to me or the endocrinologist talks to me that I know what they're even talking about. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know, but I was, I, I'm a little annoyed by the assignment, at least as interpreted by my daughter. Right. Right. And it's more from a, like, I fear for these people, boys and girls at that age, the last thing they need is to be so locked down on, oh my God, I'm not doing what my fitness pal told me to do. Right. <laughs> that could right. just be a disaster. It, my fitness pal is not going to be our sponsor <laughs> next week. No, and look, my fitness pal is a great tool. Yeah, yeah, it yeah, yeah. A, but it is a tool. Same as Lose It or Krana, whatever that, that one is. I've looked at that too. It's the same as a spreadsheet. I mean, it's like, yeah. it's just a tool to help you understand. And those macros and, and stuff, like those are estimates. I don't know what that one piece of chicken, that exact piece yeah, of chicken had I, as nutrients. And I, I'm not a big fan of macros in a sense that people spend I know people who put too much into their macros and they, their carbohydrate macro allowance, all they had left for dinner was like, I don't know, 27. So they literally weighed out like four things of past, dry pasta noodles and they cooked that and put that on their salad. Like, come on. Like, like I, it might work for them. I don't get, I don't understand that. Like, Eat, put some pasta on your salad. You know what I mean? Like it's oh to me. I don't understand that I can only have four pasta noodles, but maybe that's why I weigh three hundred pounds, right? Well, yeah. I mean, I think that you're getting to a really good point in terms of if you're going to get super specific like that, it's gonna that that needs to be like because you've got that last like that, that you're perfecting your health at that point, right? It's not. You're just trying to live a little bit better. Right. I mean, the understanding your macros is good because if 80% of your diet is carbohydrate and, uh, you know, 50% is protein and 5% is fat, 
you're probably not going to, that's probably not the healthiest way to live, right? It's bigger picture like that where I think macros can be super Right, handy. but then you can look like, there are ba- there are so many like successful people whose diets are a carbohydrate-based diet. You know what I mean? So that's where I think it's hard to put a number on something because we definitely don't need as much protein as everyone says that we need, right? Who does? Oh, oh no, 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 no! I'm not making that blanket statement. That's a Dave opinion. <laughs> That's that okay. I, that I do not agree with. So right, but how many? Do you know any protein deficient people? Do I know any protein deficient people? You know what I'm saying? Like we don't. I don't even know what that would look like. Because we don't have a protein problem. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's why I find it, David, N equals one, my opinion, is we push protein needs to a level that we don't necessarily need to have a vibrant. Like, so you can't necessarily. um, I guess I don't see the same world. Is this because you live in this plant-based area? Because I don't get, like, I, I never, I've never heard this. But if you, the average person doesn't need to eat as much protein as we eat, right? I don't need 500 grams of protein a day. I don't need it. Who says we do? There are, not the plant-based world, but everywhere, look at marketing in food. Everything is protein, right? Well, well, the reason is, I think that I see it differently. The reason I, I think there's a lot of protein um, emphasis in food is because protein is satiating. That's why. Because it's right. all about weight loss. But it's it's teaching people that literally everything that you eat that is of real food, not processed food, has protein in it. So why do you have to push that that this has protein? The marketing of protein is what I'm saying. Yeah, it's because of weight loss. That's why. It, it has nothing to do with people want you to eat more protein. It's they're telling you, hey, there's protein here, so you're going to feel more full, so eat my product because there's way more protein. That's why. Mm-hmm. That that's I think, at least in my mind, that's what they're, they're – it really comes down to weight loss and being satiated, right? Because that's true. Like if I eat a pound of pasta, I'm not satiated. Right. Like I'm, I'm hungry in an hour. Mm-hmm. Right. But if I eat a pound of meat, it takes me a lot longer. Right. Because protein satiates for a lot. longer. Right. And then your hands, you're leaning back on the couch like Al Bundy in the mic, in the meat sweats. <laughs> well, I mean, I was using exaggeration. I, right, I, right, right, right. I, know. I, would not, I would neither eat a pound of pasta or a pound of meat anymore. I mean, I'm not saying I've never done that. I've eaten both in the same meal, probably. But. You know, my point being that in an abundance of carbohydrates, you're hungry a lot earlier than an abundance of protein, right? And and because you're hungry, you're going to eat more. And because you're going to eat more, you're going to gain weight. So if you eat more protein up front, you're not going to gain weight. That, to me, is the message. Outside of bodybuilders, I've not heard somebody pushing more protein from a, like, you need this to live perspective. But But I don't think, think, yeah. But I think you, in the plant-based world here... A lot. Hey, well, just where in you the, get your protein? <laughs> well, I, I mean, we get that all the time, right? Where does Brain get his protein? Brain needs to eat more protein, 
right? We, I yeah. literally hear that every day in my life where his brain gets his protein. He's way too active. He needs more protein. I'm like, Braden is fine. He'll crush you. Like, don't worry about what, what Braden <laughs> eats. I think he proves every day that, you know, nutritionally he's fine. But I like to me, like, you know, it's like putting, um, you know, when you buy a bag of spinach and it says gluten free on the bag of spinach and literally it's just spinach. Come on. Right. Maybe I, maybe I, I, I miss I, I made it sound like it, different, but it, just that marketing of, you know, everything is protein and, you know, you can get your protein in your yogurt now and you can get your protein in your milk now and all that stuff. Just like gluten free on a bag of potatoes. No kidding. Potatoes are gluten-free. Thanks for, you know, putting that on the bag. Well, and, and I mean, milk, dairy has protein, right? I yeah, mean, everything has protein. If it's real, it's got protein in it. Yeah. I mean, and, and I think, so I, I wanted to make sure I was looking at this right. And it looks like, you know, for weight loss, it tells you like grams of protein per pound. One, point, one to 1.5 grams of protein per Per pound of body weight per day for weight loss. I mean, I'm sure it gives me the ratio for fat and for carbohydrates too. But I mean, that's not that much protein. I mean, I think we all hit that pretty easily, right? Yeah. If you eat some vegetables, some fruit, and some more. So, like, if you're plant based, there are certain foods that are going to have more protein, right, than others. Yeah, just like anything, a hundred percent. Yeah, like peanuts, 100%. soy, I'm yeah. assuming, things like that. Versus... Tempeh, tofu, beans, all that kind yeah. of stuff. Quinoa, aramid, there's all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah, versus like a leafy green. Right. right which is going to be a whole different ratio. Yeah, like a little... strawberry might have one. But, you know, you know what I mean? Or like, I, I don't know, but it might be like 0. 0.5 or 1. But, you know, brain eats fruit at every meal. He eats vegetables at every meal that's got something you know so everything he eats you just have to make sure he gets enough food during the day caloric wise that he has the energy to go do what he does i was curious so i looked it up 12 grams of of strawberry so one medium strawberry is 0.1 grams of protein yeah, there, you, there go. you go yeah i mean that's i think that's part of what the nutrition discussion should be here are your basic building blocks and natural foods have all of these things in them. And here's the ratios of them, right? right. That kind of stuff. I think it could be super handy, you know? Um, but yeah, I, yeah, that anyway, the whole point being that we're pushing things on these kids. We're getting enough of it as adults, you know, in yeah. ways that we, Look, I mean, like you and I had to look at the exact same thing and take two different interpretations. From mm-hmm. it. You see people pushing protein for protein sake, and I see see it as a marketing gimmick for weight loss, right? Like that the subtle message, the underlying message is always about weight loss in this country, I feel, with all food. Yeah. You know, so either that or decadence. It's one or the other. Yeah. There's and they no really normal. big ag and big farm want us sick regardless. Of how you eat, right? Because there's no money in the cure. And there's Again, this is a Dave Dushkin opinion, people, <laughs> not the opinion of the show. <laughs> Can't get sued by ConAgra uh, and Yeah, <laughs> but you know. We can that's a whole nother topic. 
factory farms coming yeah after us. but you know back we yeah i won't even go it's all good. no I, I i'm with you like i agree i agree with you i i was just you know blanket statements on verbal podcasts we have to just make sure that we're protecting ourselves sure because we don't have money and we sure as don't want to be giving <laughs> it away <laughs> right well 50 percent of nothing is still nothing exactly exactly <laughs> yeah i mean your, your point's well taken right we don't grow our food. The food isn't nearby anymore. It's shipped in, sometimes from a world away. Right. You know, we've got all kinds of fruits and vegetables because we want it all year round. So we eat things out of season. And I'm yeah. guilty of it. Yeah. You know, and w- there's a place in Virginia Beach uh, that we eat at for Braden. And uh, it's a vegan, gluten-free, raw, blah, blah, blah. But he ordered like three different things. And it was nice. He totally didn't get it at all and they was like we don't have that we don't have that and bray's like what do you have he and the guy could see that bray was like a little upset and he was like well we don't have the watermelon because it's not in season but if we go to aldi there's a whole big thing of watermelon it's just coming from around the world and these guys are getting produce from local farms throughout virginia and hey buddy you know, I know you really want the watermelon, but it's not in season, so we're not serving it. And then I'm like, I wish there were more places like that. Was it on the menu, though? Yeah, but it, on the menu, it says subject to avail, uh, availability, seasonal yeah. items versus, you know, and it's a small place. So they're just not yeah. reprinting menus all the time. Yeah, I recommend chalkboards for places like that. Yeah. Just write what you got up. Like, just write it up there. I think it's charming. I think it's great. Like, yeah, and they do. Oh, it's oh. funny because they do have this huge blackboard up top. And yeah. uh, Brace, so I don't even think Braden in his, you know, 12-year-old mind even noticed <laughs> the chalkboard. Right. He just walked in, grabbed the menu, looked at it. And he wanted some, like, uh, you know, it's funny because he wanted some uh, watermelon pre-workout something, right? And it probably he's probably, look, oh, pre-workout, post-workout that kind of thing yeah and uh and we had a conversation um not too long ago about like um like actual pre-workout stuff and i'm like dude you don't need it have a cup of coffee before you work out it's the same thing like you don't need it now like he doesn't want it now but you know just in conversations about you know as he gets older and lifting i'm like just have a cup of coffee (laughs) all those things are just a bunch of chemicals that give you caffeine Right, have a cup of coffee and espresso, and go lift. Oh, Put on boy. bloody wood. Crank up the music. Well, man, I think that we got a comment about at least one person wanted like longer episodes. I didn't even realize we've been talking for an hour and a half. We have, so uh, we probably should wrap it up. But I mean, good good conversations today. And Pete, we're going to get to our you know. five hour episode, like Scott and Camille, dude. <laughs> but that's that is so much different. <laughs> I'm not sure anybody needs to hear me for, for five hours. So, and I'm going to see if I could get the dog, if I can get the dog bark out, but if I can't people, it's a low budget podcast. Yeah. My apologies that my wife and dog forget that we do this at the same time for seven weeks now. And she eats lunch at that time. (laughs) No, it's not. I mean, I, it's life. I think it's hilarious. Like, I, I love it. Right. But but I know there's somebody who's going, oh, I can't, I'd listen, but I can't stand the yeah. dog barking or I can't stand the way that Pete, you know, leads <laughs> back and forth on the microphone. And, uh, you know, there'll be somebody. Yeah, there's always one. Okay. 
That's okay. Yeah. I don't really care. Low <laughs> budget, baby. Uh, all right. Well, let's wrap it up, brother. All right, man. Uh, let's see here. What do I say? You've been listening to an episode. What is it? 135? Is that right? 135, Chapter 7. Beautiful. You've been listening to episode 135, Chapter 7 of FMC Run Chicago. The music is You Got Me Wrong by Safar. Find us, rate, review, share the podcast, maybe with a dog lover. There you go. And in the meantime, everybody get out there and be better today. I was really 